Hey, and welcome to the CCWC podcast. Thank you so much for taking the time to be part of today's message. We hope it inspires you, encourages you, and deepens your faith in Jesus. Enjoy the message. Well, as we continue through this uh, series, I want to start um, as we talk about spiritual disciplines to ask a, a specific question. I would like complete honesty, okay? Complete honesty. Here's just the interactive part of the sermon to start with. How many of you are um, manual readers, which means when you get a new thing, whatever it might be, whether it's a tool or a kitchen appliance or whatever it is, when you get a new thing, you are the person who reads the manual. Anybody in here? You can raise your hand. All right, very good. That was probably easy for some people to, to say. All right, on the other end, how many of you are manual thrower awayers? Anybody in here? I'll figure this out on my own. I don't need that thing. Okay, very good. So let me just say, as far as manuals are concerned, I'm, I'm somewhere in the middle. I never throw it away. I'll keep the manual forever. I, I have a manuals longer than I have the appliance itself, right? I've got a drawer of them. These are the manuals for everything I've ever owned. But one thing I've noticed in, in some regard is that manuals have gone like to the extreme. They're, they're less of a manual or a pamphlet now, and they're more of like a catalog. And the interesting thing is the thicker the catalog gets, the less you want to read it. And, and what I've noticed is that it's not necessarily getting thicker, but it's the fact that they are giving you every language you can think of of the same thing. So typically the, 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 the words you need to read are two to three pages, and then you have it in every language that was ever invented. And you can figure out how to program your alarm clock. Um, <laughs> in German, or you can do it in ancient Greek, right? It's, it's, uh, it's there for all of them. As we walk through this series, we're pausing today to take a moment to embrace this concept of studying Scripture. Something that some of us might take for granted. Some of us might look at Scripture and say, well, yeah, I know how to read. It's English, and it's in a version that I understand, and I read through it, and then God speaks to me. And it's, it's something that you just practiced since you were a child. Maybe you were taught, uh, maybe not even really intentionally. Someone just kind of read with you, and so you understood because of the fact that somebody demonstrated that for you. But in essence, we're going to take some time today to walk through this understanding of what it means to study Scripture. And specifically, we're going to walk through a, a form of Scripture or, or a tool of reading Scripture that um, there are many different kinds. There's many different ones that you can look at, but specifically this one is going to be one that's going to help us in an easy way to try to envelop what Scripture is attempting to try to say, what God is attempting to try to say through His Word to you in a way that is honoring to Him and that's accurate to the author and to the Scripture itself. How do you study the Word? In fact, maybe I should back up and ask this, do you study the Word at all? You might have heard this before, statistically, there, there's an illiteracy as far as Scripture is concerned within the context of our culture, but it's also fairly prevalent within the context of the local church. Now, I don't know uh, of, the, of the actual numbers, I don't know what they are from church to church, but what I will say is I know that it's on the lower side. I know that there are many who they have their scripture and the most they do as far as reading is concerned is when we put those words on the screen on Sunday morning, whether in this church or in another church around the world. 
Perhaps this is just the start for you. So here's what I'm going to encourage you to do. Here is, and I give homework from time to time. If you don't already study the Word, if you don't already, uh, and I'll, I'll tell you right now, we have Bibles at the Info Center, and they are always there, always free, always for you. So if you don't have a Bible, or if you have a Bible and you're like, I can't understand this Bible, we have Scripture at the, the, the information center, and we will give you one today before you leave. At the same time, if you're joining us online and you would like one, we have them available. We could even bring it to you if you would like that. But we want to make sure that you have scripture that you can read. The second thing is this, the homework is this, that you would walk through either the tool that we're going to walk through today or another one that is similar this week, I will just say three times. That could be Monday, Wednesday, Friday. For some of us that are procrastinators, that would be Saturday evening, Saturday late evening, Saturday right before midnight. Got to get those in, right? But before you begin, before you even read, it's important to know that you have the tool. It's important to know that you, you're not just in this on your, on your own. It's not an isolated, I'm going to sit down and read a novel by myself. But instead, this is an interaction between you and God. The God that we just sang about and sang to, the God that we gather here for, the God who has brought, for those of us who are believers, who have brought real transformation in our spirit and our soul, who has taken us from a place of spiritual death to spiritual life. So when you study scripture, when you read the words of the Bible, you're interacting with the God, the creator of all, including you. Some practical tips just to start with, and these aren't in your notes, but I, and I can give you these later on if you'd like them. Um, but some practical tips, f find the right environment. Sometimes we don't read scripture because we find ourselves in a place where we're really busy or a place where we do our work as well, right? And it's like, oh, well, I'll just kind of do this. And then we find ourselves pushing this away and working on whatever it might be. Or maybe we find ourselves in front of a screen here or there. I can tell you right now, most Americans are going to, their, their, their focus, their direction is going to go to the screen. Maybe you read your scripture on a screen and that screen is used for other things like work or watching a, a show or, or even playing a game. And sometimes that screen becomes the one thing that distracts you. The second thing I want to say is, is begin uh, from a place of believing, a believing perspective. And by that, what I mean is don't open the word or don't start with scripture and say, okay, I'm going to read a little bit and find out what happens. No, start believing that God wants to speak to you. Believing that God has something he wants to share with you, a point, a, a reason. The, the moment that you engage with scripture impacts every other moment of your life. Believe that God wants to do something in and through you during that time. The third thing is, this is something that I just mentioned a moment ago, use a translation that makes sense to you. You and I wouldn't sit down and, and use a, a, a translation that is in another language that we don't speak. That's why it's also difficult sometimes to use a translation that maybe is in an English format that we don't speak. It might be the same language that you know, but it's so difficult to understand you can't decipher the words. Another thing is this is maybe some of us who are kind of the overachiever. They want to, quote, get it done. Focus on the content, not consumption. But what I mean by that is this. Sometimes we, we have a Bible plan. We think, I want to read through the whole Bible in a year. I want to read through the whole Bible in six months or three months. We find ourselves reading chapter after chapter after chapter. And like, wow, I crossed it off. I read 25 chapters today, but you didn't really learn anything. Don't focus on the amount or focus on consuming it, but instead focus on the content. What is God saying? Maybe in those few verses. 
that one chapter, that one passage. And then finally, this is key for us as we walk through this sermon too. Be aware of your presuppositions. Oftentimes we come to Scripture with an idea already of what we want to learn or what we want to know or what we want to prove. We come to Scripture attempting to try to prove an agenda or prove a belief that we already have. That's why oftentimes you hear little things here and there and, and somebody says, well, the Bible says, and, it's, and most of the time it's like, no, no, it doesn't. I mean, yeah, you might have taken those words or yeah, you might have grabbed these few words or this one quote out of context and put it into your, your dialogue, but that's not what it says. In fact, those words couldn't be further from the truth in many cases. God helps those who help themselves. Nope, that's not in there. That doesn't mean that we sit idly by and do nothing. We still should engage. We still should move forward. But it's not one of those situations where God's sitting there like, oh, well, he did well for himself. Let me give him this, that, and the other, right? No. Don't just read scripture. Interact with it. Engage with it. Allow God to change you, to transform you. Today, we're going to do just that. And this is going to be kind of interesting. We're going to do a solo Bible study together. Does that work? Does that make any sense? I hope it does, because if it doesn't, then everything I planned is uh, not going to work. There's many methods that you could use to study Scripture. There's many different things, many different tools that are out there. Think about the, the moment that we're about to walk through as kind of a, a magic eye poster. Anybody remember those? One of those, uh, those pictures where there was just a bunch of patterns on it, and you would look at it, and, and if you, you moved it back and forth, you squinted your eyes, you looked at it, the longer you focused on it, all of a sudden the picture would pop out. That's kind of how we're going to look at Scripture today, is this opportunity to be able to recognize the fact that God has put this before us, granted this picture for us, and as we focus on it, as we give it credence, as we, as we let everything else fade away, and as we focus directly on what God has for us, then His message will come forward. Now, this isn't magic like the magic eye poster, but instead it's the recognition that it requires focus. It requires us to have this clear heart and this clear mind. If you're a note taker, the first point is this. We're going to look at the SOAP Bible study method. Perhaps you've heard of this before. Perhaps you've thought, oh, this is a good one. This is a bad one. Let me just say all methods are going to fall short to some extent. This one has a lot of good for us, especially for the starter or for the one that's looking for a new way to engage in it. SOAP is, uh, is one where, I hope it's got the periods, yep. SOAP is one where each of the letters within the context of this word indicate another principle, and we're going to walk through each one of those. In fact, we're going to do so today, like I said, we're going to do a solo Bible study together by reading a passage together and then operating with the SOAP principle as we engage this specific passage. So if you want to read along with me, you can. It's in uh, First Colossians. Okay, good. At least some of you are like, wait, 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 there's, that's no, there's no such thing, right? No, it's in Colossians, right? There's only one. There's only one of those. Right there, we're already starting with some good information. Colossians chapter 1, starting at verse 5, it says, The faith and love that spring from the hope stored up for you in heaven and about which you have already heard in the true message of the gospel. That has come to you in the same way the gospel is bearing fruit and growing throughout the whole world just as it has been doing among you since the day you heard it and truly understood God's grace. You learned it from Epaphras, our dear fellow servant, who is a faithful minister of Christ 
on our behalf, and who also told us of your love in the Spirit. Now, this is an, uh, an amazing start specifically to, uh, to Paul's letter to the church in, in Colossia. Basically, in, in essence, what he's doing here, this first insight, is one where he's reflecting upon the fact that, hey, there are some amazing things taking place. Let us praise God. Let us thank him for that. In fact, last week, as we engaged this idea of prayer and this, this, the context of Christ's actual example of prayer, there's this start of thanksgiving, this start of recognizing that God God is God and we are not. And so here Paul is saying to this church, hey, look, there are some great things to be thankful for, not the things we have or the things we've achieved, but instead the glory of God and the way that he has moved, the way that he has changed. Let's start with the first insight here. Let's get a little bit practical. The, the one Bible study tool and template that we're walking through, possibly one of many, this SOAP model, we're going to start this adventure together with S. S is Scripture, the start of all things, the genesis of all, this scripture uh, and, and, and the core of it. And, and, the, and the step that we're going to take is not just to read the scripture, but to have a, a, a practical response to it or practical helps, and that is scripture, write it out and let the word speak. Write it out and let the word speak. And what does this mean? It all starts with scripture and it gives us the opportunity to be able to actually uh, to take the scripture in. Because when you write something out, you have to actually process the words. You have to actually walk through the, the, the actual uh, practice or the actual exercise of writing those words out and allowing them as you write them to speak to you once again. Now, I know that you can just take a word at a time and write them down. But in essence, the core of this is recognizing the fact that as you write, you speak them out. You write out those, those specific words and you allow them to, to, to be spoken and to be heard on your own behalf. It's that point where you get out of the way and you let the scripture speak, you let the scripture talk. Anybody in here ever get, called somebody and, you know, 10 minutes into the phone call, you recognize I made the call and I haven't said anything yet? Anybody been there before? I, I'm there from time to time. I joke around about this with my dad. From time to time, I'll give him a call or my mom, I'll give him a call and they'll tell me all these things that are going on and they'll say, well, I, I, I gotta go. Like, wait, 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 I, I called you. I, I had a reason. One time in particular, it was, it was about 20 years ago, I'm, I'm driving I, I was in a pickup truck and I slipped off the road and I'm sitting in a ditch and I called my dad. I'm like, dad, you know, I, I, I'm off the, or I, I, actually I started with, Dad, I got something to tell you. And he said, oh, I got something to tell you. And he had all this really cool news. And, and I, was, I was excited for him. I was like, yeah, I almost forgot about my situation. And as we're talking, he said, oh, I, I got to go because a, 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 another person pulled up and they had a chain and a truck and they pulled me out and I was so grateful. And I was driving and not a mile down the road, I slipped off the road again. And I called my dad and he said, oh, son, we didn't get to finish our conversation. I said, yeah, let me talk this time. You know, I think sometimes we get in this conversation with God where we open the scripture and we have all these things going on, all the stuff that we want to do, all the stuff that we want to find, and God's saying, hey, just let me speak. And that might be as simple as just reading the passage and then without doing anything else, after you write it out, just sit there and reflect on the words. Let God speak to you. It's hard to listen when you're doing all the talking. And that might be physical speaking. It might just be the way that we think. We'll just continue to let our mind go. And, I, and I'll say there's practical helps for that too. I don't know if you do this, but I have a, I have a notepad usually next to my, uh, my, my station when I'm studying. And if I have something that comes into mind with something I have to do or a phone call to make, I'll just write it on there and then I can put it away and I don't have to think about it anymore. 
But let God speak. Practically, you write out the scripture. It's amazing what God will do with this first step. In fact, I did it this past week. We put that image up there. Here's, here's my uh, first attempt, which I was fairly uh, excited about how well my lines were. I was, I was thinking about this, probably not thinking about the scriptures, but thinking about this because I knew I was going to put it on the screen, but certainly just writing that out and reflecting upon the actual words, reflecting upon what God has done, even in my own pen, it was an amazing thought to think about the fact that God has given these words to you and to me. He has given us, in his provision, in his wisdom, in his love and grace, he has given these words to us. And therefore, as a result of that gift, our response is not to leave those words in a box wrapped up, but instead to unwrap them and allow them to flourish, allow that gift to continue to give fruit, to bear fruit to the reader, to you, to me, and then also to those that we impact and engage with. What an amazing gift. It starts with Scripture. It starts with this practice of allowing Scripture to permeate within us. Maybe write it out a few times. Maybe, maybe take this and, and write that a few times. Maybe write it on a, on a whiteboard or a chalkboard where you can erase or you can circle things. You can, you can underline things. Whatever, you, whatever works for you, put it somewhere in front of you where you let God's Word speak to you. O is next. O stands for observation. So we've got scripture and, and writing it out and letting God speak firsthand before we go anywhere else. And then we have this observation. Observation is gain insight and understanding on the verses that you're reading. Gain insight by expressing the fact that when you read the verse, perhaps like me, you have lots of questions about what God is trying to say. You have questions tangibly about the verse, about the book, about the actual plans that he has. And here's some questions you might ask. What do you see in these verses? Who is the audience? Who's it written to? That can say a lot about the message itself. Is there a repetition in words? What words stand out to you? What is the genre, right? What, what key insights are there uh, to interpret from this text? What's the tone? Is it, is it angry? Is it sarcastic? Is it, is it one that's poetic? What are some major actions of God and major actions of God's people? What jumps out from this passage? Who's, who's it written by and to? Who's it written to? Um, what's one thing that you noticed before the passage and after? Sometimes putting that passage within the context of the rest of the book can bring forth a lot of understanding on where that passage fits and what it means. What was written before? What comes after? Are there, is there any comparison or any contrasting within the context of this? And this is specifically where, when we talk about inductive Bible study, this is where the other tools come in. Now, never in, in, script, in, in reading Scripture should you go directly to the tools, because oftentimes God has something to say to you that might be, uh, might be blurred because of someone else's opinion or someone else's reading. Which is why I would even say to you that when we talk about things here, when I preach on something here, that you go and you read it for yourself. I'll promise to you that I'm going to preach out of Scripture every single week. That'll be my promise to you. But your promise could be to the church and to the church eternal that you actually study it for yourself. Because it might be different from what, what I share up here, what the Spirit's put on my heart. It might be totally different what God wants to share with you and express to you. Because every passage that we read doesn't just have one streamline, here's the purpose, here's the meaning. God has many ways of speaking in many different times in life. Maybe you've even read a passage once and then you read it five years later and God said something totally different to you. 
So here there's other tools that you can use after investing in, engaging in the scripture yourself. There's, there's uh, impressing the cultural historical background, which you can look at historical books or uh, Bible dictionaries that can bring forth an understanding specifically of that background, of where they were at. You know, the, the interesting thing about this is our minds, they are used, they are wired, they work, they fire within the, the context of our culture, within 2022, right? This is where we're at. Well, those that wrote these were under vast persecution, or maybe they were in a place of joy, or maybe they were in a place of struggling. And so within that context, they would, they would have understood the passage much differently than we do. Recognizing where they're at and what they're saying and what they're doing is, is, is a, great underst- or a great necessity to understand where we're at. My, uh, one of my kids is going to camp this year, and I, I was having a conversation with my wife and, and, and this child about camp and, and kind of had this conversation about, hey, when we went to camp, when we went to camp while we were there, whoever was there, those are the people we interacted with. And, and I could see the wheels turning a little bit for my, for my child, recognizing the fact that, wait, 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 you mean I, I couldn't text or send a picture or any number of other interactive uh, Uh, apps where I could talk to people that weren't there and let them know what they were missing out on or share this or share that funny joke. No, 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 no. When you were there, that was it. That was a different culture. I'll say that I missed the 90s when this all didn't exist, right? (laughs) I liked being disconnected. There's also word studies, looking at the original text. What did it mean? What was it about? What, what are the purposes of these specific words? Just, just to uh, kind of make this known, there are, there are only, there's only one word in our language, in the English language, that means love. And there's any number, there's, there's five to eight different words that mean love within the context of the Greek, the Hebrew, and the Aramaic. Different meanings, different purposes. Then finally, looking at punctuation, paragraphs, where they come together, the cause and effects, the figures of speech, all these different types of things are all important. So going to other tangible ways so that you might be able to understand. And that, wor- that starts with, with taking some time to interact with the passage. And so I did that. I took a little bit of time to do so. And I got another image here. This is, this is just a few minutes of walking through and reading the passage, looking at the, the different things. And I've got three different colors there. You can't see that, probably decipher that from between the blue and the black, but there's links and actions. Here are some specific things that have taken place as a result of something else. There's insights. These are some important notes that the, especially the early church, as they read this, they would have reflected upon and said, oh, that, that makes sense. These things work together. And then there's repetition and themes. Where are the things that show up several times just in these few short verses? And as I walk through that, I recognize the fact that there are some very important themes and very important th- tangible acts to understand what we find from this. Here's just a few of them. One is when you combine faith and love, you get hope. Can I get an amen for that? Because that's true, not just in this passage, but true in our lives. When we experience faith and love, which is in essence salvation, right? This experience of engaging with God, there's hope. And the only time I've ever experienced real and lasting hope is when I experienced Christ's salvation in my life. And so the author here, Paul, when he's expressing to this church is, look, just so you remember, the only active, real, eternal way to experience hope in your life is to experience a combination of your faith and God's love. But there's more. 
Verse 5 continues, and, and the next thing I, that I pulled out of this is we have to remember that our hope is in heaven. It is not yet to come. In essence, that we have hope beyond what we see, what we hear, what we experience now. Instead, for the believer, there is hope because when we pass from this life, whether God returns or whether we, 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 we die, our, our, our bodies physically die in this world, we will experience a real and lasting eternal hope in heaven with God forever. Verse 5 is packed. The third one is the gospel is the word of truth. In essence, this is kind of this doubling down of the fact that God has given us the gospel, the, the, the good news. And then in verse 6, the gospel is continually bearing fruit and growing from the first day to the last. The gospel continues to be true. The gospel continues to be real and relevant, not just for those 2,000 years ago, but for us in this moment, in this day, within the context of the broken culture that we now live in. The gospel is true and relevant and real. And then finally, I think this is an amazing one, especially a call for us as the church, right? The remnant, those who believe, it's just, it just takes one person to change a whole community. Paul was writing to the church in Colossae. Basically, it wasn't just this church down the street or the first church or whatever. No, it was the entire church that lived in this one town. And he calls out one person, Epaphras, and he says, Epaphras has done such a great deal for your community. What, he's recogni- what we recognize here is that one person can change the whole of a community. One person can step in and be the change. One person can follow God's call, say yes, and step in and do as God has called, led, and guided. One more, one more item that utilizes helps is looking at commentaries and word studies and other, uh, other scholars and culture historical background. But within the context of that, the scripture in a lot of ways speaks for itself. We call these generalizations universal truths, which means there are things that are true in that time, but they're also true for us today. It's my prayer that the Spirit would lead you to understand what those are, to experience those, and to know them. The fourth one, or excuse me, the third one is A of, of SOAP. That is, that, is, uh, that is application. Application, take a personal approach. Discern how you are to respond in light of the truth. Scripture will not return void. Instead, there is an opportunity for growth. There's an opportunity for God to say something to us. Anything else you read, whether it be a, a novel or uh, whether it be the back of a cereal box, you can read it and just kind of ho-hum and move on. But there's something about Scripture that as the Spirit leads, as He talks to us, what the reflection is that there has to be some kind of a response to that truth that God has granted for us. This is when God's Word becomes more personal and gives us the opportunity to be able to experience the possibilities of what can become. Now, I will tell you that one of the fallbacks right here to, to recognize is that it might make Scripture seem more me-focused, but let me tell you right now, if we are focused on what God has for His kingdom and how we can be used in that, that'll keep us rightly aligned. How can you apply these verses to your life today? What changes do I need to make in my life? This is where you become an active participant in the scripture rather than just a a person who's viewing it, an observer from the outside. Is there an action that needs to take place? What do I need to do to step forward in that? Practicing this, some general applications, uh, reflecting upon the, the words that we shared already and the words that we saw on this. And this is, like I said, this is mine, but you are uh, more than, than welcome and in fact encouraged to do this on your own. But here's some general applications. Something uh, that stood out to me today was that God used one man, Epaphras, to change a whole town. 
It's amazing to think about the, the impact of one person who is, who is vibrantly following after the will of God, the call of God, and how as he empowers, as he changes, as he moves, he can bring forth a new day. And as the scripture speaks, not just in our study time together, may we be reminded that God wants to use you in a small way or in a large way or something in between to be able to impact your kingdom. And I'll venture to say there are really no small ways when there's eternal purpose. The second thing I recognize is I was reminded that we are simply called to tell others about Christ. It's God's job to spread the gospel, to grow it, and to, bring, and to bear fruit. And so what that means is our obedience is one to just step forward when God calls us to step forward and how he calls us to step forward. And when we do that, the Spirit is unleashed in a way that's more powerful than we could ever imagine, we could ever experience, and we could ever do on our own. Instead, God does the work in the midst. He doesn't need to use us, but he wants to use us. He does the work in the midst of our action. The passage reads like this, All over the world, this gospel is bearing fruit and growing just as it has been doing among you since the day you heard it and understood God's grace in all its truths. My prayer is that we, all of us, would experience the gospel and bear its fruit. That like Epaphras, we would jump in 100% sold out for Christ to be a disciple who makes disciples. And then finally, that P, the last one there, most certainly this should not just be at the end. It should be uh, layered throughout, specifically at the beginning and then throughout each practice. That P is prayer. Speak God's word back to him and lift up a new observances and confessions. If you are engaging with the scripture, there are going to be things that come to you personally. Maybe it's a place where you fall short. Maybe it's something that you celebrate or something in between. But God is going to bring forth new understanding, both cognitively and spiritually. And within the context of that, after you walk through this practice, there'll be an opportunity to be able to pray and to engage with your God. Take time to pray over the passage and insights even now in this moment, what things have stood out to you? Praying God's word back to him as these application points, confessing the things that have taken place. In fact, I want to take a moment as we walk through this together. I'm going to pray right now in this moment. Would you pray with me? God, we thank you for your word. We thank you for your truth. We thank you for the fact that you have granted us the opportunity to be able to experience you in this specific way where you have given us this solid figure, this one piece. God, we recognize this is your word. We recognize, God, that, that in this that you have, you have inspired those who have written it. And as they have written it, it has been given to us as a gift, as a manual, as a love letter, as a way to be able to embrace you and to know you. And God, when we do so, may we do so interacting with the Most High God. God, I pray that you would help us to be like Epaphras, stepping forward and attempting to try to bring the gospel. I pray, God, that we would, be, we would be encouraged because of the fact that we can receive and experience hope because of the faith and the love that are generated together through you and through us. God, thank you for the way that you work. Thank you for the way that you move. Thank you, God, for the way that you continue to embrace us. May your scripture bring us real and lasting change in our lives. Amen. As we bring this through, there's uh, three specific points I want to mention as we walk through this hands-on understanding. And the reason for this, this last portion is, is simply because it's important to note that when we look at the context of scripture, there, there is a wrong way to study it. There is a wrong way to, to read. There is a wrong way to engage with it. And so that question of how do we study Scripture also includes the why do we study Scripture. 
this hand-in-hand movement. The first one is this, with no preconceived notions, no agenda. Now, I did say this earlier, but it is so crucial that we recognize when we step into engaging in Scripture that we do so without any uh, desire to, tr- to try to bring forth our own will or our own way or have our own, uh, ha- take our own uh, decisions and, 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 and bring forth some kind of backing on them, but instead allow God to speak. You know how I, I can tell when God is speaking and when it's not my agenda is when I experience some kind of opportunity that, that requires confession. If you're reading scripture and you're kind of like, man, that, that makes me uncomfortable or that stretches me. You're doing it right. Because God will speak to us, especially speak to those places that maybe even were previously in the dark when we step forward and we do so to try to hear him, to know him. The second one is to gain insight as to how to live and to grow. Step into it, recognizing the fact that God wants to bring forth a new day for us. When we finish reading a passage, we shouldn't be where we were when we started reading it. We should be different. We should be moved. We should be changed because we've been in the presence of God and because God has brought forth a new day for us. It might be tough sometimes since we often, our our minds are clouded. Maybe it starts with just a a moment of pondering or just a moment of uh, allowing God to speak in silence. Or maybe it starts with a moment of, uh, of song or something to start our hearts or to stir our hearts. And then finally, the third one is this, to connect with God. There is no better reason to engage with Scripture than to grow in our relationship with God because ultimately Christianity isn't about doing, it's about being. It's about engaging with the Most High God. It's about loving Him and growing in this relationship with the God who created us. And so within it, it's not about accomplishing a mission or walking through this SOAP principle or what other one that you might try to do, but instead it's about engaging in a loving relationship with the God who created and loves you and I. The Bible changes us. It's one of the tools that God uses to engage us, to bring forth a new day. If we really took the Bible seriously, if we really studied it and allowed it to change us, if we really interacted with it, if we really stepped forward and allow it to state what, it want, what God wants to state to us, certainly this is a, a, a moving, a changing, a transforming tool, a transforming letter, a transforming piece. But oftentimes what happens is we come to Scripture and we have this posture of me first rather than God first. And sometimes we open Scripture, we hear a verse, we already put into practice and and we kind of say, okay, this is what God wanted and and we just assume that's the case. And in essence, what, what it looks like is this, that we've kind of use scripture or wielded scripture for our good rather than recognizing that it's for God's good. And it doesn't matter how many tools or helps that I share today or that you find or that you've been using, if we don't have a heart that's directed towards God, if we don't have a heart that has God sitting on the throne, a heart that's, that's sold out, that selflessly says to God, I want your will and not my own, then we will, in all essence, miss the point of what God is trying to express to us. The story goes of a man who went to the mailbox and he pulled out a letter he took the letter back into his house, and as he began to read the letter, he read the letter and he recognized, oh, this, this letter is actually for my neighbor. 
And the letter is for my neighbor, and it's, it's, it's saying that his wife is, is, is going to leave him, and she's not going to come back. And, and, and man, what am I supposed supposed to do with this. In essence, he, he, he reads through it and he recognizes, hey, this is in a different language. It doesn't even make sense. And, and he just kind of sets the letter on the counter and he says, okay, hopefully someday my neighbor might come by and I can give him this letter and he can be informed of the information. Well, as time went by, one of his kids came in, an older kid, and, and picked up the letter and began to read it and said, dad, this is a really neat letter. Said, what are you talking about? He says, this letter, it's, it's actually to you. And the letter is actually about the, the fact that your son who's been away is going to return. And as your son comes back specifically, he, he's going to bring forth joy and hope and all these things. And it's interesting to note that sometimes we find ourselves in a place where we've got this letter. And we complicate it, we make it harder than it is, or we, we think it's for someone else, or maybe it's, we, we put it in some context or, or language that we can't understand, or, or maybe we, 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 we bring forth a message out of it that is not even close to what's in there, and instead we, we miss the fact that there is a loving God who sent his son Jesus. And should we call upon his name, should we experience that love through our faith, we can have real and lasting hope in this world. And so the question remains, before we even engage in, in this opportunity to, to read Scripture, and I hope that this has brought forth an opportunity for you, maybe a, an encouragement or a zest for to step forward or a boldness or a courage to say, you know what, in the past I've kind of been intimidated or, or I didn't really know what to do or it hasn't really been a priority. Maybe this is just one small step for God to step in. But particularly, I want to speak to those that are in this room right now who maybe right now you're not reading it or you are reading it and you're doing so with this kind of selfish, here's what I want out of this whole thing mentality. To prove my agenda, to prove my point, or I don't even want to touch it because it might not prove what I want. And so the question remains, who is sitting on the throne of your heart? Thank you again for spending time with us today. Thank you especially to those of you who give to CCWC. It is through your faithfulness that makes this ministry possible. Also, if you have any questions about today's teaching or if you want to learn more about CCWC, feel free to contact our office, check the web, or follow us on our social media platforms. If you enjoyed today's podcast, we do encourage you to take a moment to subscribe and share it with friends. Let this be a blessing to someone else that you love in your life. You're always welcome to join us on Sunday morning for worship, or until then, we'll catch you on the next one. God bless.